We're going to turn to God's Word now. If you have a Bible, you might want to open it. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 14. Exodus 14. But let me pray first as we come to God's Word. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your Word is inspired, that it is uh, through every generation relevant and applicable. And today, Father, you want to speak to every person listening to the sound of my voice. You have a word for us for this season, and I pray that by your Spirit, you would apply it to our hearts. And for those who don't know Jesus, that you would reveal Christ as Lord and Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. Maybe you have found yourself saying something like this in the last week or two. I can't wait to get back to normal. Or I wonder when things are going to get back to normal, or how much longer until things get back to normal, or maybe you're a little bit more cautious. You're saying, well, I think it's too early for things to get back to normal. I don't think it's safe yet for things to get back to normal. Because whatever your attitude or approach is, I think there's one thing for certain. Life right now isn't normal. Nothing is normal. Queuing to get into a supermarket isn't normal. Having your wife get out a pair of clippers to cut your hair unless she is a trained barber is not normal. Half a tank of petrol lasting you for a month is not normal. Eating your own body weight and chocolate every day is not normal. When the most exciting thing you've done all week is cut the grass, that is not normal. When you've watched every single box set on Netflix, that is not normal. When you haven't hugged your grandchildren in seven weeks, that is not normal. Wearing your pajamas all day, or if you're really dressing up wearing a tracksuit all day, should not be normal. At least I hope it's not normal unless you're an athlete. When you're trying to teach your kids miles in English and you don't know the difference between an adjective, a verb, or a noun, or how to speak, that is not normal. When you're trying to teach them miles and you don't know what the square root of 64 is, that is not normal. When you're preaching to one person in a church who's sitting behind a sound desk right now, that is not normal. In the town that I grew up in and where I live now, When I was a child, if you went about with a pair of gloves on and a mask, you were going to be arrested. It meant you were a terrorist. Now you're a responsible citizen. That is not normal. Nothing right now is normal. And yet the weird thing is, some of those things are becoming normalized, aren't they? We're actually getting used to queuing outside shops. We're getting used in some strange way to how things are. But they're not normal. Nothing is normal. And I completely understand that desire to get back to normal. But when we say that, what are we saying? Think about that with me. What do we want to get back to? Because for most of us, when we say, I want to get back to normal, here's what we're saying. I want to get back to how things were in January, three months ago. I want to get back to work, school, gym, shopping, church, holidays, day trips, birthday parties, coffee shops, all the other stuff that was normal. And I I miss some of those things. I, I really do. I miss 
gathering with you here every Sunday and seeing your faces and hearing you worship God with me. I miss that. I miss having the freedom to go out with my family for a drive up the north coast if we have a day off. I miss going to the gym. I miss going to Starbucks just beside the church here and working in the afternoons and talking to people and meeting people as I'm drinking my Earl Grey tea. I miss that. You know, right now, today, There's a group of us from church who were supposed to be in the Holy Land. We were supposed to be in Israel right at this moment. And I know in the grand scheme of things, that's not important. That's inconsequential. But I was really looking forward to that. But things aren't normal. I wonder, what what do you miss the most? Life isn't normal. And so in so many ways, I want to get back to normal. That's why I come in here every week and record this sermon in the church, because it gives us a feeling of at least you're watching the place that's normal, it's comfortable, it's familiar. This is what you're used to, maybe not on a screen, but at least for those who are part of hope, this is normal. And so I want to get back to normal. And yet, I can't help beginning to ask myself, What if the normal that we're so desperate to get back to really wasn't all that great? Maybe, just maybe, God has something more for us than what we had accepted as normal. Because let's be really honest, three months ago, did you really love your life? Back in the good old days, in January. Was your life really all that great? Was it all that perfect? And if we come out of this time and all we do is revert to how life was three months ago, I can't help but feel that we have missed this incredible moment of opportunity, this incredible uh, moment to, to reset and recalibrate and reorient our lives in some way that God has given us this time not just to go back to normal. But maybe there's something more for us to reorganize our priorities, to rethink how we do things, to ask ourselves in the way that we have been living, that we have been considering normal. Do I really want to live like that for the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years? Do I want to go back to that normal? Could it be that some of the things that we had accepted as normal We're lower than the way God intended us for to live. We're lower than the purpose and the plan that he had for our lives. You know, I've been thinking about this for a while. Some of you will know last year, and this isn't a shameless plug, uh, but last year I wrote a book on transition, and one of the chapters talks about what I'm talking about today. And then last week, uh, or two weeks ago, I was listening to Pastor Stephen Furtick from Elevation Church, and he preached a sermon about a new normal, and it began to, to put together all of the different thoughts that I've been having at the minute, and, and put language around that. Maybe, just maybe, the last thing you should be praying for right now is God take us back to normal. Because maybe God has a whole new normal that he wants us to press into. Maybe there's so much more than the normal we left behind back there. Maybe normal isn't in our past. Maybe there's a new normal in your future. But so much of that will depend on how we use 
this time during lockdown, quarantine, social distancing, whatever you want to call it. So much of what our future will look like depends on how we use this in between time. Maybe this time of reset and realignment could be so much more important and significant in your life than you currently understand or comprehend. Let's go to Exodus 14. And would you look at verses 5 to 7 with me? Verses 5 to 7. When the king of Egypt, that's Pharaoh, was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots, along with all the other chariots of Egypt, with officers uh, over all of them. Most of you will know the story. God's people have been slaves in Egypt. They're badly oppressed. In fact, things get so bad that they cry out to God, God, would you deliver us? from this. And God in return hears their prayer, listens to their cry, and speaks to this guy called Moses at a burning bush. Isn't that amazing that they cry out to God and God speaks to Moses? And this isn't my point of my sermon, but this is just an aside. Sometimes God, when you pray to him, doesn't answer you and you think he hasn't heard you, but he's speaking to somebody else about you. Just because God isn't speaking to you doesn't mean he's not working for you. We say that God is doing things behind the scenes. Even when I can't see you, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. God is doing 10,000 things in your life right now, and you're probably aware of about three of them. And so just because God isn't speaking to you doesn't mean he's not doing anything. They cry out to God. God speaks to Moses. God says, Moses, go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. Moses goes to Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, no way, Mo, they ain't going to go. And so God sends these 10 plagues, these 10 judgments to release Pharaoh's grip on his people because God will do whatever it takes to bring his people into freedom. And eventually with the last one, with the angel of death and the, and the death of the firstborn in every family, eventually Pharaoh gets to the stage where he says, okay, get out of here. I can't take this anymore. Just go. And so Moses begins to lead the, the people out. And it says in verse 8 that they are marching out boldly. They're strutting their stuff. They're wearing all the bling, all the plunder that they got from the Egyptians. They're walking out there like Conor McGregor. They're bold, they're brave, they're ready to go. But then Pharaoh has a change of heart. All of these slaves, all of this free labor, I don't want to do without them. Bring them back. Look at verses 10 to 12 with me. This is what I really want you to see. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up. And there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, they said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out into the desert to die? They're being sarcastic here. What have you done to us? <laughs> what have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. As soon as things get difficult, 
they want to go back to Egypt. The moment things get tough, they want to turn right around and become slaves again. The very place that they'd prayed and cried out and longed to be free from, as soon as they're free from it, what do they say? We want to go back there. Why? Why would anyone choose slavery over freedom? Because slavery was normal for them. Slavery was normal for them. It was all they knew. It was all they'd known for 430 years. You know, a generation in the Bible is around 40 years. So for 10 generations, God's people had only known slavery. It's become part of their identity. It's awful, but it was normal. It was predictable. It was what they were used to. In a weird way, their slavery felt more safe and more secure than their freedom. It was more comfortable. It was normal to not have enough. It was normal to be beaten by your slave master. It was normal to work all day under brutal conditions just to give your family the bare minimum to survive. It was normal to have your life controlled by others. It was normal to live in captivity and oppression. It was normal. And now that they're free, all they want to do is go back to normal. I want to go back to normal. Because it's all that they know. I wonder if you've ever done that. I wonder if you've ever longed to get out of something. You've prayed, you've cried. You've looked forward to the day when you were free from something. And then as soon as you get out of it, you somehow want to go back to it. Maybe you've been in a job for eight years. And every day of those eight years you've complained. You hate it. And then you get a new job and you're so over the moon, but within two weeks of starting that new job, what do you do? I want to go back to my old job. Why? Because where you are now is unfamiliar. It's uncomfortable. You don't know what you're doing. At least back there, you knew what you were doing. You understood every, the, 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 the work. You, you knew the environment. Even if you hated your co-workers, you knew why you hated them. But these new co-workers, you don't know any of them. And you feel completely insecure and and. And, and everything's unpredictable and, 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 and uncomfortable. And, and all you want to do is just go back to that place that you've been complaining for eight years about. Maybe you've been in a relationship for three or four years and it's awful. Maybe a guy treats you like rubbish. Maybe he's even abusive. And eventually you build up the courage and you get free from that relationship. And for the first week or two, you're over the moon. But then two, three, four Saturday nights go by and you're on your own. And you don't know how to handle being single. And you start to think maybe he wasn't so bad. And all your friends say, yes, he was. He was awful. He was nasty. He was abusive. Don't go back there. But you're thinking, no, no, I I would rather have the safety and the security and the predictability of awful than the insecurity of being on my own. You go to university declaring that I can't wait to get away from this town, that I, this little place that I grew up in. Everybody's so sheltered. Everybody's so small-minded. I can't wait to get out of here. I'm never coming back. And then you go off to the big city and you're a nobody and nobody cares who you are. And everything's unfamiliar and you don't know your way around and you get lost in the crowd. And all you want to do is come back to your little town where everybody knows who you are and where you feel at home. 
It could be a person, could be a place, could be a substance, could be a behavior pattern, could be a drug, could be a, a mindset, could be a habit, could be anything. And we know it's destroying us, but it's familiar, it's comfortable. And when life becomes unpredictable and uncertain, all we want to do is get back to normal. In the face of fear, when we don't know what to do, because we have never been here before, all we long for is the comfortable and the familiar, the good old days, even if they weren't all that great. I just want to go back to normal. I just want to go back to normal. Yet God's people were made for so much more than they knew as normal. This was not their calling. This was not their identity. This was not how God had intended for things to be for them. Centuries before this, God had shown up to a man called Abram and said, I'm going to make you a a, a nation. I'm going to give you a land and you're going to be a blessing. I am going to pour out abundance and blessing on you, Abraham. And as a nation, as my chosen people called and loved and holy and chosen, you're going to be a blessing to the other nations. And so nations, or Abraham sets out. And Abraham then has a son called Isaac. And Isaac has a son called Jacob. And Jacob has a son called Joseph. Remember Joseph. Joseph. And remember how he's sold by his brothers into slavery. He's sent down to Egypt. He serves Potiphar. He's falsely accused. He ends up in prison. Any dream will do. And he, he begins to interpret dreams. And eventually he interprets a dream about a famine. And he's elevated from prisoner to prime minister, and he oversees uh, all of the supplies of Egypt during this time of famine. And eventually his brothers come down and they, they don't recognize him at first, but then there's this big emotional family reunion and they all hug it out. And eventually then they come and live in Egypt and they're treated like royalty. God's people moved to Egypt and they were there as a chosen people, as a royal people. But then It says a new pharaoh arose who knew nothing about Joseph. And all he did was he began to look around and see all these immigrants who were stealing all the jobs. And he began to feel threatened because they were popping out a lot of babies, a lot more than the Egyptian women were. And he began to think, these people are going to overrun us soon. We have to do something about it. And so he subjects them to slavery. He puts them into hard labor. But that was, way, that was never the way it was meant to be. This was never God's intention for them. This was never meant to be acceptable for even one moment, never mind become normal. And yet, if you do anything for long enough and you don't know any different, it becomes normal, doesn't it? What starts out as abnormal can become normal even if it's completely negative. I remember when I was, I think I was about 19 in 1995, I went to work in one of those American summer camps, Camp America, and the first night all the staff had gathered and they got us to tell our stories about our childhood so that we could introduce ourselves uh, a little bit. And I I was the first one up and I, I got up and I said, I had a very normal childhood. I came from a very normal family. Uh, when I was growing up, uh, 
we had bombs in our town. Uh, there were people shot every day, pretty much. There were people murdered on our streets. Every morning when we went out, we had to check under the car for, for bombs. Um, before you went into shops, your bags were checked to make sure you didn't have bombs or, or guns with you. There were road checks everywhere. Uh, I, I had been, I'd seen riots. I'd had plastic bullets whiz past me. I, I, and I'm telling, and I said, I had just a really normal childhood. And at this stage, all the Americans, are, you can imagine their eyes are like saucers and their mouths are hanging open. And they went, Craig, that wasn't normal. There was nothing normal about that. And yet for me, it was all I knew. And when, when you're a kid, you just assume that what you know as normal is everybody else's normal. But they, they were like, Craig, this is not normal. So I began to probably exaggerate things a bit and milk it a bit and make all sorts of stuff up because they're Americans and they believe that, all sorts of stuff. And I know there's quite a lot of Americans watch this and I do love you. But I just began to milk it a bit. But, but they were like, this is not normal. But for me, it was normal. Even though it was completely abnormal to most people, it was normal to me. Because when it's all you know, it's all you expect. And for Israel here, slavery had become completely normal. What we call normal is just our experience, isn't it? Normal is just what we used to. Normal is the story we tell ourselves. Normal is the story we live out on a day-by-day basis. But when you think about it, most of the things that we call normal were once new. But over time, they've just become normal. Most of the things we call normal became normal, but at one stage, they were completely new. Like, my, my son keeps asking me about the olden days recently. Dad, was that the olden days? You'd think I was 87 years old. But for him, the olden days are anything before internet. He's seven. He's never known anything apart from high-speed Wi-Fi. You're watching this streaming online right now. Like, think about this. 20 years ago, you wouldn't have been able to do that. You're sitting with your phone in your hand or in your pocket. That little portable computer, 25 years ago, you wouldn't have had. And if you would have had it, it would have been the size of a brick and would have been very limited uh, functionality. But you're, you, you, now it's, a, it's not just a phone, it's a computer, it's a video player, it's a games console, it's an alarm clock, it's a music player, it's a diary, it's an entertainment unit. It's normal to you. But at one stage it was new. But now you go, I can't live without my phone because it's normal. Netflix is normal. We used to have to go to this place called a video shop and we rented videos and you prayed that your new release that you wanted to see was back in time. And then if you left it back at night late, you got a fine. Or if you left it back after 7.30 or didn't rewind it, rewind it you got a fine. Like, like, we don't go to ExtraVision anymore or Blockbuster or whatever it is. Why? Because we've got a new normal called Netflix. Amazon is normal. People used to go to shops to buy most of the stuff that they now buy on Amazon. Now you just click and it shows up on your doorstep the next day. And during this time of lockdown and quarantine, I would kind of imagine there's all sorts of stuff showing up on your doorstep because you have nothing to do apart from online shop. And Amazon Prime is the second best thing apart from my wife that God ever created. Third thing, my son, he'll be watching this too. Okay, but, but a lot of the things that we call normal were once new, but we've just become used to it. Normal is what you know. Normal is your experience. And it's what you've gotten used to. It's what you've come to expect. But what if, what if, 
like Israel in slavery in Egypt, we have settled for a normal which is so much lower than what God has planned or what God intends for us. You see, for God's people, normal was never meant to be back there under oppression in Egypt. Normal was the promised land. Normal was a land of abundance. Normal was a land flowing with milk and honey, a place of their own, a place of freedom. That was supposed to be their normal. Not surviving, but thriving. Not living on the bare minimum, but experiencing overflowing provision. Not living under the burden of slavery, but experiencing and enjoying the blessing of sonship. Not fearing the king, but living as beloved children of the king of kings. That was supposed to be their normal. And that was the new normal that God wanted to bring them into. That was all they were supposed to be and have and do. But what do they want? They want to go back to Egypt. Why? Because it's all they know. It's comfortable. It's familiar. It's predictable. And even if it's killing them, they would rather die in Egypt and live in uncertainty. Fear was creeping up behind them. Fear in the form of the Egyptians. And fear makes them prefer slavery to freedom. Let me repeat that. Fear will make us prefer slavery to freedom. Fear will make us prefer to be locked up rather than than to experience and enjoy the freedom God intends for us. Fear makes us want to go back into the past rather than press into the unknown of the future. But here's the thing about God. Here's the thing about God. Our God is not the God of the normal. Our God is the God of the new. God is not the God of the normal. Our God is the God of the new. Don't we see that all throughout scripture? That our God is the God of the new. The psalmist said that we sing a new song to the Lord. Isaiah prophesied that God was doing a new thing and he was going to give his people a new name. Then God spoke through the prophet Jeremiah and he says, I'm going to give you a new covenant and I'm going to establish the law in your hearts and I'm going to give you a new heart and a new spirit to worship me with. The writer of Lamentation said that God's blessings and his goodness are new every morning. In John 3, Jesus says that we enter the kingdom of God through the new birth. It brings us into a new relationship. And and the apostle Paul says when this happens, we become new creations in Christ. Jesus says he wants to give us new wine and to do that we need to have new wineskins. Paul also says that we're transformed by the renewing of our minds that we become new in the attitude of our minds. And the apostle John in Revelation sees a new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. And there's a new heaven and a new earth. And at the end of Revelation, what does God say? I make all things New. Our God is not the God of the normal. Your God and my God is the God of 
the new. So why are we trying so hard to get back to normal when God wants to take us somewhere new? It's like being pregnant for nine months, ladies. And, you know, 15 minutes after the birth of the child, you say, well, let's get back to normal now. Can I tell you, nothing's ever going to be normal again. Why don't you pick up that new bundle of joy and walk into the future with faith and confidence and excitement and anticipation instead of trying to get back to normal? Normal is not back there in BC before Corona. Normal, a new normal, is out there, but we don't know what that looks like right now. And it's not the problem that we don't know what our life will look like in five weeks or, um, or six months or a year or five years. We don't have a clue. And that uncertainty and unpredictability creates fear and anxiety and discomfort and apprehension. But what if maybe, just maybe, this pause, this reset, this lockdown, this whatever you want to call it, is an opportunity. It's a kairos moment. It's a divine moment of intervention to give us time and space to reset and reorient and recalibrate our lives into what we want a new normal to look like in our future. Somebody sent me a a video this week and it's a little bit idealistic, but it's imagining what in 20 years' time, when we look back at 2020, what possibly could that new normal be? What possibly could we reflect on back and say, that's what happened in 2020? Would you watch it with me for a moment or two? Wasn't that great? wasn't that moving in many ways. And yet, I can't help but feel it's a little bit idealistic. But it doesn't have to be. Because right now, we get to choose what that new normal looks like. We get to choose something of what that future might look like. You know, most of us, when our lives were normal, our lives had become too full, too busy, too stressful, too much drama, too exhausting, too much rushing around. But it was normal. Maybe that normal is not what God wants for you and me. And maybe now in this moment of pause, in this moment of reset, maybe God is saying to you, there are some things in your life that had become normal that I want you to let go of as you walk into the new normal. And sometimes God will say, I want you to let go of them, and he gives us a choice. But then other times, if we keep hold of them, you know what he does? He takes them from us. There's times when God steps in and he says, if you're not going to let that go, I'm simply going to remove it from you. And that possibly is what's happening right now in this time. That God is stripping away things from us that we thought were essential, but we really don't need. Sometimes God will strip us right back so that he can move us forward. He will remove anything in our lives that isn't compatible with the future that he has for us. And it's painful, but you know what it is? It's a severe mercy. That we cannot get to where he wants us to be if we keep holding on to the things 
that were normal back there. But that begins with letting go. That begins with letting go. That you cannot receive until you release. There are some things that God would say, I want you to let go of that right now because I have so much more for you. You know what I do? I would prefer to swap. I want to see what God has for me on the other side of the new normal before I give him or let go of my old normal. And I'll look at it and go, actually, I prefer that, so I'm going to get rid of that. But that isn't an option. God is saying, will you trust me? Will you trust me as your loving Heavenly Father that anything I let, ask you to let go of in your past, in your present, is because I have something so much better for you in the future. That anything you let go of, I will reward you with so much more in the days ahead. Will you release so that you can receive? And it's in that tension that we struggle most, isn't it? People say that God doesn't close one door without opening another one. But what about the hallway in between? And that's kind of where we're at right now. It's almost like that door's closed. We know there's something out there, the new normal in the future. But right now we're in this hallway, this dark hallway, and we don't know how long we're going to be here. And that's where we trust God. That's where we do what God asks us to do. That's where all the stuff that we say we believe about God, we put into practice. Let me finish with a personal story. Uh, If you've been around Hope for any length of time, you'll know this story, but that's okay. Twelve years ago, before I met my wife, I'd been dating a girl, I'd been going out with a girl for almost two years, and she was a lovely girl, a wonderful girl in many ways. And the thing was this, that I just didn't see us moving forward towards marriage. The relationship wasn't bad enough to break up, but it wasn't good enough to move forward. And so there was this constant sense of limbo, this constant sense of almost almost expecting to break up at any stage, but not wanting to because it was nice and it was good and it was comfortable and it was familiar. And I really didn't want to spend Saturday nights on my own watching The X Factor and Britain's Got Talent. And so there was a comfortableness about it. There was a familiarity and she was a lovely girl. But in the midst of all of this, the the church I was in at the time, the church I was serving and working in, there was a teenage girl who had a very strong prophetic gift. And one day Laura came up to me and she said, Craig, I have a picture of you. And God would say to you that your hand is closed because you're holding on to this relationship because it's familiar and it's comfortable. And God would say to you, he has got someone for you, but he cannot give them to you because your hand is closed. But if you will open your hand and let go of that which you know he will give you the person he has for you. And there was a bit of a struggle internally because I didn't want to let go until I saw what the new person was like. But in the end, we went our separate ways and we broke up. That was in the end of May, start of June that year. At the end of August, I had my first date with the girl who is now my wife. We got engaged four months and two days after our first date. And I, I sometimes wonder, what if I hadn't been willing to release? Then my hand wouldn't have been open to receive. And maybe for you, it could be a relationship. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's a job. 
Maybe it's something in your life right now, a pattern, a mindset, just something, and you're closing your hand, and God is saying, I want to give you so much more than what you've, what you've come to accept as normal. But to receive, it starts with releasing. And so I want to just ask you right now, would you open your hand and would you let go of whatever it is? You'll know what it is. Would you let go of it? And would you say, God, I'm trusting you as I release this so that I can receive what you have for me? And so maybe right now as I close, maybe right now at home, would you just open your hands to release what you've been holding on to, that normal that's your past, but you're not going to let go of it. And maybe keep your hands open and say, God, I want to receive. I want to receive what you have for me. And so I wait with expectation and trust and faith that you will fill my hands with the good thing, with the new normal that you have for me. And maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you're watching this and you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want to say to you that's the most important decision you can ever make. Right now, maybe you need to let go of self. You need to let go of sin. You need to let go of going your own way. And you need to receive Christ. If that's you, would you pray this prayer with me? A short prayer right now. Would you just repeat in your heart this prayer after me? Heavenly Father, I am sorry for my sin. I release my life to you. Will you forgive me? Will you wash away my sin? I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior this day. I choose to follow him. Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Thank you that I've been born again, that I'm a child of God. Amen. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer, we would love to hear from you. Would you contact us on social media so that we can celebrate with you?